Join us for Captain's Campaign for Cures. If you plan to attend Vive or Hims this year, get a photo with Captain, our lovable service dog, and we will donate to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation to find cures for childhood cancer. For every person in the photo, we will donate $1 to Alex's Lemonade Stand. All you have to do is find Captain, grab your friends, take a picture, share it on social media, and put the hashtag Captain Lemonade or This Week Health, and we will make that donation for every person who's in that picture. Our thanks to SureTest and CTG for helping us to end childhood cancer. Welcome to This Week Health Conference. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels and events dedicated to leveraging the power of community to propel healthcare forward. Today, we have an interview in action from the fall conferences on the West Coast. Here we go. All right, here we are from the health conference, another interview in action. We have caught up with Yohani Salad with UC Davis Health System. CMI, you have so many titles on there. Tell us what you do at UC Davis. Thank you. I'm a CMI of Digital Health and Review Innovation for UC Davis. Innovation. This right. is the right conference to be at that for innovation. It is, absolutely. So what kind of things are you seeing here? What are you, is there a certain problem you're trying to solve for UC Davis? So a, a lot of the problem we're looking at UC Davis are applicable to the problem that we're trying to solve as a healthcare engineer. Specifically, how we become more transparent, how we can become more operationally efficient, how we actually build faster and evaluate a lot of our processes. So what I'm looking for from a UC Davis perspective, looking at the vendor is we are finding great partners, especially on the early stage that can come and look at some of our operational or clinical challenges and we can partner with into delivering more scalable solutions. Are there specific, we, we've talked to a fair number of people about clinician burnout. We've talked about operational efficiency. We talk, I mean, are there specific areas that you're, you're focusing in on right now? So a lot of healthcare systems have a very similar spectrum of the problems. If you, if you look at that, we do not have access to workforce, right? We have to reuse and hire a lot of the specialists, especially across the nursing specialty and the clinical. So we're looking on everything that's helped us to hire faster, onboarding faster, as well as increase retention. So from the clinical effectiveness, we know that our workforce, and speaking as a practicing clinician, just, just cannot deal with all the administrative burden that we see for a long time. So what we're looking at is what kind of a solution we can bring a point of care to help them manage things. And that's range from artificial intelligence, we're looking at from the ambient technology and better administrative tasks with the billing, coding, and documentation. So something that just helps you to get additional 10, 15 minutes per day, but already allow to relocate this time for your self-care and spending more time with your friends. Every booth talks about AI. Absolutely. Now, there will be some aspect of AI washing, but there's, to, to a certain extent, AI has been democratized. Like, you and I can probably pull it up on our phone and interact with some sort of generative AI solution. It seems like the tools are getting more accessible. These partners are starting to integrate them in all different ways. How do you bring those into the health system? How do you make sure that the algorithms are going to serve your community, serve you, serve, I, I mean, how do you make sure there's trust built around those things? That's a great question. I think from our perspective, A, whatever you bring AI or non-AI solution, we need to be very clear what problem you're trying to solve 
and what's your KPIs would be, right? So AI is one way to build a solution, and generative AI it's another way, right, to build it based on AI. But then the question is, what does it give you, right, and how do you evaluate success and effectiveness in the long run? The second thing is, how do you even test non-deterministic AI system? I think that's something we are actively working and partnering with healthcare systems as well as a federal regulator. As you know, for example, UC Davis launched valid AI initiatives yesterday uh, with 30 healthcare systems coming together and we'll be discussing what's the best way to look. At the same time, when you look at the CHAI, when you look at FDA regulation, they talk about insurance lab and coming up with a set of principle as we may use for classic AI and, and less deterministic AI. So I think there is a lot of unknown. And what's making it even more complicated, that's, as you mentioned, building a MVP that's capturing your imagination is very easy. And the challenge with that, that's create this perceived simplicity of building a use case. There's a huge difference between building a MVP versus building an enterprise-level production system. And I think a lot of that's where the current devil in this particular details, because we still not culturally know what's happened with a lot of our large language models at scale with the time. And uh, we need to exert a lot of the careful and thoughtful approach before we actually scale. We'll get back to our show in just a minute. Having a child with cancer is one of the most painful and difficult situations a family can face. In 2023, to celebrate five years of This Week Health, we have partnered with Alex's Lemonade Stand all year long with a goal of raising $50,000 from our community. We've already achieved that goal and we've exceeded that goal by $5,000. So we're up over $55,000 for the year. We wanna blow through that number. We ask you to join us. Hit our website in the top right-hand column. You're gonna see a logo for the Lemonade Stand. Go ahead and click on that to give today. We believe in the generosity of our community and we thank you in advance. Now. Back to our show. You talked about deterministic. In deterministic models, we can we can be transparent with fairly. Probabilistic models, though, have we talked about hallucinations. It's, yes. it's almost been over talked about, but that's the nature of probabilistic models like ChatGPT, which is the most common, which is why I bring it up. But essentially, it's if you ask it the same question ten times, you're likely going to get seven answers that look very similar and three answers that are going to be in a different direction. And maybe 70, 30 is not great, so, but a lot of uh, the sequence to sequence models, right? They're predicting the next step. You're right. We'll give you a different language. When we look at that from a clinical perspective, right? I'm not as concerned about the language itself as long as the content inside this remain consistent in truth. Right? And I think this part is critical because if I'm still communicating right information to you using a different word selection, not a very concerned, right? As long as appropriate words. But if my reasoning changes, right? If the things I communicate to you is actually non-consistent and very, then the question is, how do you properly monitor, right? What kind of information being delivered and what are use cases? can be used this model for. The large language models are very good at summarizing. And so... Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, yes, we still have to do... People have to remember. I mean, we're like 
a year into this mass adoption of this, like, you know, ChatGPT goes through 100 million users as quick as anything we've ever seen. And so everyone's playing around with these things, including physicians, including others. And the, the feedback we're hearing, again, not peer-reviewed kind of studies and those kind of things, is you can take a lot of things. It does, it does summarize those things very well. One of the use cases I've been talking to people about is when you get an ICU case, generally you have to take a lot of information, potentially from a lot of different health systems, potentially a lot of unstructured data. Yeah. So now we're, talk, now we're talking about a, a lot of layered technologies. You're using OCR, you're using NLP, you could be using RPA, you could be using uh, a large language model. But what I'm hearing is that use case is very labor intensive to pull all that stuff together and make those summaries. But anyone who's used the, the large language models is like, look, I can give it like 100 page PDF and say, give me a one paragraph summary that comes back very quickly. But in healthcare, where does that fall down? Where does that, that kind of model fall down? And how do we make it more accurate for ICU care? I mean, it's, it's pretty. It's a great question. I, I think consistency is the name of the game, right? You need to ensure that the information you extract from your non-structured data is truthful and consistent, right? You need to ensure that information that's been grouped, analyzed, summarized from those extracted concepts, right, is also correct. So you cannot afford information loss, right? And I think what's concerned me from informatics perspective, even though I'm extremely passionate and bullish about the, the premises of a generative AI in the medicine, is we need to ensure there is not a lot of the noise and destruction on every step of information transition, right? How are we going to verify all of it? How we can ensure that all the concepts that have been instructed from non-structured data, as you mentioned, are the, A, all the concepts we're looking for, B, in the form and the view that we're looking for, right? We, we currently don't really have a round truth to test for them, right? Similar to summarization, a lot, if my care and my critical care depends on the insights in the summer from 100 pages, right? How you can ensure that's the right insight around the right concept? Because can it generate me a summary? Yes. Can it generate me the optimal summary that will drive my proper clinical decision on this point of care? I think that's the most important question. Is there a technology you've seen on this floor? I saw a security one that really piqued my interest. I'm doing a little research on it. Have you seen, I mean, there's so many moves here. I'm sure you didn't stop at all. It's amazing. So I see a lot of the generative AI tool, right, as a feature, right? Some people will work on the infrastructure layer, maybe large players, maybe some of the smaller. But at this particular point, I expect almost every product to have to certainly great generative AI or traditional AI. Because right now, that's just the way you build efficient software, right? Do I see any company that's right now creating a full spectrum of a tool that I'm really wanting to deploy right now, not yet. And there's a lot of a great discussion and a lot of them are coming on the level of a healthcare innovation, federal regulator, right, and the initiative. So I'm very optimistic that say 12 to 24 months, we actually will start seeing a lot of the platforms that actually helping us with this safety monitoring and trust. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Great talking. Thank you.
another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conference. I love hearing from people on the front lines. It is phenomenal that you shared your wisdom and experience with the community, and we greatly appreciate it. We also want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are CDW, Rubric, Sectra, and Trellix. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. <laughs>